Welcome back, listeners, to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Joining me today, as always, is my good friend Walker Howell. And today, our special guest is Colin Hallbrook. Say hello, Colin. Hello, everybody. How are you? Well, they can't really hear you, Colin, <laughs> respond. But thank you for being courteous. Anyway, so today we're going to be finishing up the, kind of a three-part series that we've been working on. We looked at the real problem that everyone deals with, which is, of course, sin. We looked at the greatest trickster, which is Satan, and how he tempts us and how he tricks us to sin and to separate ourselves from God. And today we're going to be looking at the remedy. We're going to be, we looked at the problem. We looked at the person causing the problem. And today we're going to be looking at the way we can solve that problem. And that is with forgiveness. Yes, forgiveness is uh, what I call the greatest gift that we've ever been given or offered. And that was stolen from a good gospel preacher named Dan Winkler. And he often says that, and I truly believe it because uh, we are very imperfect people, as Isaiah and I have discussed before on this podcast, and we discuss how we struggle with sin so much. But the greatest thing about uh, God and his plan for man is that he wants to redeem us every time we mess up, and he wants us to uh, be forgiven of our sins. He wants us to have those sins taken away from our lives and to give us a fresh start. And so whenever we uh, think about forgiveness, I'm often reminded of uh, the prodigal son, which we're going to get into a little bit later. And I think it goes into a good discussion about what is forgiveness. Absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, oftentimes we, we talk about, or we have talked about on this podcast about the tricks of Satan and, mm -hmm. and the things that he can entice us to do that we, that, that calls us to sin. And that's why we need forgiveness, right? Uh, we need to recognize the fact that we are broken people, that we are messed up. Right. We and not only are we messed up, but we mess up all the time. We fall short of the glory of God, as it says in Romans chapter three and verse twenty three. And so that's why we need forgiveness is because we cannot live up to the measure that God wants us to live up to because we're not God. Mm -hmm. God has that holiness about him. God has that that perfection mm -hmm. about him that we don't have as humans. We're incomplete. We're faulty. Right. We're going to make mistakes. And that is why we need Forgiveness. Yes. And Colin, we want to hear your, your take. What does forgiveness mean to you or what does it mean to you? Well, <clears throat> I think forgiveness is a very simple idea and thing that sometimes it can be, you know, it's expanded into a more bigger issue. I think it's very simple. Um, forgiveness, like you said, I agree. It is one of the greatest gifts that we have ever given to me personally um it means kind of affirmation and uh refreshing that uh knowing that i'm not perfect knowing that i mess up that i know that i have a repentful heart and i can be forgiven mm -hmm. uh, just knowing that god knows that i'm not perfect mm -hmm. And no matter how much I want to be perfect, no matter how much that I'm going to unintentionally try to be perfect and strive for perfection, even though that I'm not supposed to, or we could, you could argue that we're supposed to, but even though that I want to, God knows that I'm not I'm, I'm going to be able to be perfect and uh, be able, being able to be forgiven for messing up is one of the greatest 
greatest gifts anyone can have. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like a weight off the shoulders kind of deal. Right. And we're not saying that, you know, God's just going to absolutely forgive everyone all the time. That's not how forgiveness works. Forgiveness works when you actually are repentant of your sins. And of course that, that doesn't mean just being sorrowful that you got caught, right. Or sorrowful that, you know, now that you made the mistake, this mistake, there's going to be a punishment for it. Repentance, true repentance is making a complete 180, right? We, we've mentioned on this podcast a couple of times, second Corinthians chapter five and verse 17, where Paul tells us to put on a new self. He also uses that same language in the beginning of Romans chapter six. You know, he tells us to become a new creature, put on a new self. And that means doing a full 180 from everything that we have been doing, you know, all the sins that we fall to all the temptations that we listen to and allow them to develop into sin, all of those things we turn our back on and we walk and we keep our focus on God. I agree. And, um, and I think one of the greatest illustrations that we see, or there's a lot of great illustrations within the Bible about forgiveness, but I think one that stands out is the second most famous parable is uh, in my opinion. And that is the parable of the lost son. And we're not going to read all the verses that pertain to this parable, I'm just going to quickly summarize it because it really shows what forgiveness is like. If you remember, or if you're familiar with the uh, Luke chapter 15 and the passage at, in its whole, you understand that Jesus here is speaking to the scribes, the Pharisees, and tax collectors. And at this time, the scribes, the Pharisees, and tax collectors are very judgmental. They're grumbling. They are uh, wicked in their ways, in a sense. And so Jesus is trying to prove the folly of their thinking. And while he is doing this, he illustrates three parables in which his emphasis on these three parables is the importance of a lost soul. He wants people to understand how valuable a lost soul is to him. And so in the third parable, he illustrates about two brothers. One was a younger brother. One was an older brother. The, the younger brother was very disrespectful towards his father. And he went up to his father and he demanded that he get his inheritance that he deserves. And so his father gave him his inheritance, and then he ran off, and he did some very sinful things with his inheritance. He wasted his possessions. He did all these various different things, and he uh, ultimately, whenever he ended up in the most pitiful state, he realized that he needed to come back home to the father. And so he comes back home to the father, and he asks his father for forgiveness, and his father does so much more than just forgive him. He throws a party, and he rejoices that his son has come home, and that he was found, and that he realized what he had done wrong in his life. And so I think that's just such a beautiful illustration of forgiveness. And um, and it's something that uh, is just beautiful to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I just, it's like you said, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that story encapsulates or encompasses rather the, the nature of God so well, because I mean, especially for, you know, if we compare the, the prodigal son or the, the younger son to Christians, right? They're, they, they're in with God, right? God is the father in this parable. And, you know, they're, they're with him and then they decide to leave and to squander the things that they've been given by God. You know, our blessings, our inheritance, God wants us to use to glorify him. And instead, a lot of times what we do is we, try to glorify ourselves or glorify things of the world with that inheritance. And it's just like, like we talked about it. I mean, it's a slippery slope. And what's fortunate about this parable is that the prodigal son realized I need to go home. 
I need to go back to God. And what's the most beautiful thing about this passage is that when he realizes that God still lets him in, right? When, when the person who sins realizes that God still can have them back, they can still come back. Yeah. It's such a beautiful thing to know that even though we fall so many times and we look back, you know, we take our hand off the plow to reference Luke chapter nine. Mm-hmm. And we look back on the ways that we lived before we became a Christian and we, you know, fall to the same sins over and over and over again. God still loves us and God still wants us to be with him. That's right. And, you know, like you were saying, we've all fallen before, you know, humankind has had a sinful nature from the beginning. And we've referenced Adam and Eve before in Genesis chapter three. And, you know, it we saw the fall of man in that uh, chapter whenever we discussed it in uh, the real problem episode. And it's a problem that we have been struggling with and a trick that we have been trying to avoid for since the beginning of time. And like you were saying, we really don't deserve the gift of forgiveness. But the beauty of this is, is that Christ loves everyone so much that he wanted to make sure all who want all who wants to be forgiven are forgiven. And so there's only one way that we can gain forgiveness, and that is through Christ himself. Absolutely. You know, Christ said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Of course, guys, I put the emphasis there on the, right? He is the way. Jesus doesn't say, I am one of many ways. He doesn't say, there's a couple ways and I'm one of them. He says, the way. The is singular. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. He, he is the gatekeeper, right? You know, if we look back at the Old Testament, the, the Old Testament cities, you know, especially in Israel, they would always have those great walls, right? And no one could get in through the walls. They would have to go in through the gate. You know, of course, unless we're talking about Jericho, that's a different story. But the point is, every city had that wall like Jericho. And the only way you could get in it was through the gate. That's the same way it is with heaven, right? The only way we can get in is through the gate. And Jesus is the gatekeeper. We can only get in if we do what he tells us to do. That's right. And, you know, he's outlined in the New Testament the way that we can go in order to be forgiven. And if you've never become a Christian before, the path to forgiveness is not the easiest path. But if you keep God in the center of your lives and you you surround yourself with Christian uh, like-minded people, it can make the path a little bit easier. But he first says that you first must hear the word. And and that's found in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then once you hear it, you must be willing to believe what you have heard. And you can reference John chapter 8 and verse 24 for that. And then this is the key part. Once you believe what the Bible has says and once you believe what Jesus has told you, And you must be willing to change your heart. You must be willing to change your actions, change your ways, repent of your sins. And we find that in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. And he also repeats that same verse in verse 5 as well. So he mentions repentance twice in the same chapter, which I think is very significant. And then we must also confess him before others, Jesus Christ before others, and let others know that he is our Lord and Savior, as we find in Matthew 10 and verse 32. And then upon that confession, we must be willing to wash our sins away. And this is where forgiveness comes into play. Whenever we bury our old life in Christ and we are raised up as we look, as Isaiah referenced earlier, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, we are raised up in a new creation. 
And it's from that point on that we begin the Christian journey. Absolutely, Walker. And I, I want to go off on a little tangent here because apparently that's my, my thing. Um, you know, some people, especially if they're not familiar with the scriptures, mm -hmm. they may be wondering why we have to reference all of those verses for the, the plan of salvation. And the answer to that is because the Bible doesn't give us just one chunk that tells us everything we need to do. Right. Because the Bible is, especially the New Testament, is conversations between people. Right. Especially the book of Acts, yes. the book of conversions. And, you know, we see a lot of things in the book of Acts. Some people are, are it seems if you look at it, are just told to believe. Other people are told to confess. Other people are told to be baptized. Right. And, and that can throw people for a loop right? that can confuse some people. And it's important for us to remember that those conversations were for different people. Right. I mean, we have the Ethiopian eunuch. He was already a faithful uh, Jew or uh, at the very least someone who was trying to follow the Jewish faith. He wasn't uh, born a Jew, but he was trying to follow the Jewish faith. So Philip just told him to be baptized. Right. But you look at someone else like the, the Philippian jailer or uh, or someone else like that. They need to be told to believe first. They had to start that process. Right. And, you know, I've always been told that the Bible is kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. Right. You know, you cannot just take one piece of the puzzle and put it down on the table and say, that's the puzzle. Yeah. There we go. That's the complete picture because it doesn't work like that. Right. You have to take some time. You have to do a little bit of work and you have to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Right. And then once you have those pieces together, you've got this beautiful picture and everything makes sense and it's complete. But you need to have all the pieces. You can't and you can't just take any of the pieces. Right. You, you can't just pick and choose which pieces you like and which ones you don't. You got to have them all. Most definitely. And I'm excited because whenever we get back from the break, we're going to be able to hear Colin speak some more and he's going to get to tell us his story about forgiveness. And I hope you will stick around for that. Hey there. You know, have you ever asked yourself any of the following questions? Such as, what's my purpose? Does God exist? What should I expect after death? Why are there so many churches? Do you have an open mind? If so, I would love to share some studies with you. I don't want to force my beliefs on anyone, but I'm willing to study with people of all walks of life. How could you benefit? What questions do you have? Let me know, 731-439-9671. Or you can find out more information on my website, PreacherWalkerMinistry.com. Welcome back, listeners. Before we left, we were just we were just about to ask Colin Holbrick, I mispronounced your name the first time and I apologize, but Colin Holbrick, our special guest, we were going to ask you, how do we receive forgiveness? Colin, take it away. Well, before I get into that, uh, which I'll probably go on a tangent about, mm -hmm. um, I liked how earlier you made the comparison, uh, uh, you brought up how Jesus is this gatekeeper of the wall kind of in heaven. And I, it makes me think of this wall and uh, I just think it just makes me think about the wall was created by us. We are the reason there is a wall. So, and it th that also goes to talk again about the forgiveness. Like, we are the reason why there's a wall in between heaven, and God is the reason why we are still able to get into heaven. The gatekeeper of our 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 actions. There wouldn't be a wall if they wouldn't have took it, partaken of the forbidden fruit, and man would have never been corrupted. That's right. Because of us, there has to be a narrow way. 
because we are imperfect, because we messed up, we built this wall of sin that blocks us from getting into heaven. But through forgiveness, we can, through forgiveness and faithfulness, we can get in. Now, when we talk about forgiveness, um, before I was at Freed, I was a bit of a, a alcoholic party guy who didn't care about anything but girls and himself. And uh, so I really fully know everything there is to know about forgiveness. Um, well, not everything. I, I know a little bit about it. I wouldn't say I know everything because I've got a lot to learn. But the, the biggest example I'd have is whenever I felt like no one would talk to me because of me, my mistakes and everything I did wrong and constantly messing up uh, and trying to do better, saying I would do better, even going to church and knowing that I was messing up, continuing to do it, realizing that I'm, I'm, I'm dirt, I'm a sinner. This is wrong. I can't keep doing this. I've got to do better. And God, I like to use this analogy. You can correct me if it's wrong, but I think it's good. Uh, I was like at the bottom of the barrel and God was, his hand was there waiting to pull me up. And it was always there. I just didn't see it. Even if I did see it, I wouldn't reach up. God's hand has always been there to help pick us up. But we sometimes we choose to not grab it. It's never gone anywhere. He's still welcoming us, no matter if how terrible we are. Look at Paul. Look at the forgiveness that he gave Paul. And look what Paul became. Um, forgiveness is so important in reassuring us that we can be Christians. We couldn't be Christians without forgiveness. We couldn't go to heaven without forgiveness because through forgiveness, we are saved with, I think forgiveness might be one of the most important parts of our walk. Because if you, if you think you don't need forgiveness, then that's a sin on its own and you're in your mess. You're, 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 you're wrong. Cause I think Paul talks about in that letter, the three churches, the hot, lukewarm and cold, mm-hmm. I think. Right. John. 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 Okay. Or second and third. John. Yeah. And you see the, those churches that wasn't it the the church the, the cold church that wasn't one of those churches they thought they were great. You know Maybe what? That, it was a lukewarm church. I think you're trying to talk yeah. about that. They, it was somewhat of like pride yeah. issue that they yeah. had. And it was like, and yes, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head, yeah, I, I want to say remembering. it's it's in First John, but it's talking about uh, the lukewarm church. Sorry. Yeah. Or are you talking about the seven churches in Revelation? Maybe that one. I don't know. I think it's mentioned somewhere that when you think. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The scriptural reference we're not yeah. sure of, but yeah. I know what you're talking about. When you about. think that you don't need forgiveness. Isaiah is working on the scripture. Right. Right. It's in Revelation chapter <laughs> okay. 3. It's talking about the church at Laodicea. There it is. Uh, especially focusing on verses 15 and 16 of Revelation chapter 3. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you were lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So basically, uh, God through John here is, is saying to this church, you know, you're you're not on fire for me. You're you're not full out rejecting me, but you're not also full out serving me either. You're just kind of riding the fence. And it's important for us as Christians to remember that this race that we run, you know, go off of Paul's metaphor. This race that we run, it's not just a light jog. You know, it's not it's not a brisk walk in the park, right? It's full out because we got to run that race to win the prize. Yeah, and I think 
now I know we're talking about the spiritual aspect of forgiveness, but mm -hmm. the Bible also commands us to forgive those who sin against us. Who sin. Yes, we are we are commanded to forgive. Mm -hmm. Now, I know this is what we're going to get into later, mm -hmm. but I want to bring this up as an example of uh, not spiritually, mm -hmm. but it could be spiritually because we are leading by example. Right. Our spiritual walk. Think about when you're a kid, when you were younger, well, we're still kids, but when we were not in college, when we were in middle school or something, and we did something mm -hmm. and our parents got really mad at us and they were said, go to timeout or, <laughs> you know, put you in timeout or spanked you. Cause mm -hmm. I got spanked. And just to think of the feeling of when you recognized you did something wrong, mm -hmm. even though you got punished for it. And then think about when you got away with it, how the guilt of your conscience was like, oh, I should have done that. Mm -hmm. And just think of the, and the, just imagine, just re remember that relief of when you apologized and they were like, I forgive you. It's okay. Just the relief of knowing that the relationship is not coming to an end because you were realized you right. Re you recognize you messed up. Even today we recognize we do something wrong. I'm sure you with your girlfriend, sometimes you have to recognize you did something wrong and apologize. I have a well, girlfriend too. Yeah. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> and just, recognizing that that importance of forgiveness even in just with other people like that feeling of reassurance and just i guess relaxation whenever you feel that you have been forgiven and that the relationship is okay mm -hmm. and just think about how that is with god when you ask for forgiveness god knows that you did something wrong god it's i like to look at it as i heard a preacher say this one time god knows that we're going to mess up mm -hmm. god knows that we sin God knows we're going to mess up yeah. and he knows when we do it. He's just wanting us to be like choosing to say, God, I'm sorry. I know I messed up. He's wanting us to realize and a voice that we know that we messed up because we get to choose. Mm -hmm. If we didn't get to choose, then we're just like robots and there's no free will. Yeah. The point, I think the point of the free will was for us to choose mm -hmm. to ask for forgiveness, to choose God. He didn't want, he didn't want robots. He wanted free will people to choose him. God doesn't want to be somebody's command. God wants to be someone's choice. Mm -hmm. I, I really like that point, Colin. And I, I think it's good to go back to what you were talking about earlier about the church in Revelation chapter uh, three, that I think it was. And, um, and remember whenever uh, the Bible talks about God spitting them out of his mouth, you know, in that passage or in the section of scripture that you read, Really, what he's trying to say there is that he wants to either be all in for him or all out. Like there is no in between. There is no middle ground for Christianity. If you're going to choose to be in Christ, if you're going to choose to do the things that he's commanded, it's either all in or all out. There, he's not going to be your part-time Lord. He's not going to be uh, your part your part-time person who you can call in whenever you need him in your life. He wants you to be there or he wants you to be connected with him all the time and not just sometimes whenever you're having really good moments or whenever you have really bad moments in your life. Absolutely. Walker, you know, that, you were talking and that reminded me of a passage in Matthew chapter six, mm -hmm. uh, which is verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either. He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And of course, Jesus there is talking about putting earthly things above God. 
But I think the point remains the same with anything, you know, wh whatever you want it to be. If you have to make a choice between God and something else and you don't choose God, then, I mean, there's no point in having God as an option there. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, you were talking about having kind of one foot in Christ and, and one foot in the world and, you know, kind of riding that fence. We talked about a little bit, you know, riding that fence between being a full out Christian and full out non-Christian. What we sometimes don't talk about, and I think we should more, is that the devil owns that fence, right? God doesn't, God's property doesn't extend to the fence because that's the devil's. The devil built that fence. And if we're riding that fence, we're on his property. We're belonging to him. And I think it's important for us to remember the fact that, like, we, like we've been talking about, we're either all in or all out. And even as we try to be all in, and this is where we tie everything up nice and together, <laughs> even when we try to be all in, we're going to fall, yeah. right? We're going to stumble. We're going to mess up. And God's still going to forgive us. As long, granted, as long as we are truly repentant, right? Colin, you were talking about this earlier, about how guilty you felt and, and the, the grief that you felt going through, you know, your personal experiences, and, and realizing that you have to turn your life around. That's what it is. And I think you give us a really, really good example. And obviously I'm not trying to you oh, know, puff you up or anything, but, but you know, the point is that's, that's what it should look like. Mm -hmm. It's a full 180. I keep using that, but it's a really good illustration. It's a full 180. I think one big thing that we have to make sure that we know as Christians is forgiveness is not just received. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is only received when we forgive others. You can't have forgiveness without forgiving. That's right. He, like he said, he spit them out. Mm -hmm. I can think, if, I think God does that to us if we beg for forgiveness, but we aren't willing to give it. Mm -hmm. Who are we to even ask for forgiveness? Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, basically say exactly what Colin was just saying there. Or if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's not a one-way street here, guys. And it makes so much sense. He's like, you want me to forgive you, but you won't forgive them. Yeah. Why should I forgive you? Right. And it's like, what have we done to deserve the forgiveness? Mm -hmm. He sent his only son, took on flesh, and died for us. For us, and all he asks us, not only, well, not only, but one of the biggest things that he just wants us to do is just realize that we don't deserve the gift of heaven and ask for forgiveness when we wrong. Definitely. And it's so small when someone else does it to us. How, how is it so difficult for us? Yeah. You know, you, what you were saying reminded me of another parable, this one in Matthew chapter 18. And it's, uh, it's notably called the parable of the unforgiving servant. And we're not going to go into too much depth there. It's Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 20, going down through verse 35, which is the end of the chapter. And I would strongly recommend taking the time, pausing this podcast right now and going to read that. But if you can't, here's a summary. So basically, there's these two servants. The first servant is called up to the king and the king says, hey, you owe me 10,000 talents. If you cannot pay this debt to me, you're going to go into jail. I'm going to throw you into jail until you can pay it. 
and the servant begs for forgiveness. He pleads for mercy, and the king gives it to him. And then that same servant, the one who just been forgiven that massive debt, went to another servant who owed him five. Excuse me, owed him a single hundred denarii, not five hundred, but one hundred denarii, and refused to be merciful, refused to forgive that other servant, even though he had just been forgiven that great debt. And you know, a lot of times we don't really think about it because we don't use things like talents and denarii in our currency today. So I went ahead and I Googled it. I have it pulled up. 10,000 talents. You guys ready for this? And today's money is almost three and a half billion dollars. Three and a half billion. I mean, that's, that, that's like owning three professional sports teams. <laughs> it's insane how much money this servant was forgiven. And then it's even more ridiculous when we look at how much 100 denarii is worth. That's less than $6,000. So we have three and a half billion that this man has just been forgiven of, and he refused to let someone else be forgiven of 6,000. I mean, when we put those numbers in into our current day perspective, it's just mind-blowing. I, I can't even comprehend owing someone three and a half billion dollars. And then being forgiven of it? Mm. How does he not have forgiveness in his heart after that happened to him? Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect example of what not to do as a Christian. Right. Because we've been forgiven of so much more than $3.5 billion, as much as that is. Yeah. We've been forgiven of sin. Mm-hmm. And there's no amount of money in the world that can forgive us of sin. Only the blood of Christ can do that. That's right. And the greatest thing about all that that you just said, which was amazing and really eye-opening, because I never knew that until you brought up the point about the money involved or the money uh, aspect of it. And the greatest thing about this is that forgiveness is renewable. And if we want to keep on looking at this in a money standpoint, just think about every time you sin, it just adds on your debt that you owe to God. Mm -hmm. And if you don't repent of it, then you're just building up this big old debt. And it, it may be greater than $3.5 billion by the end of it. And I know whenever he was hanging on that cross at Calvary, I know the sins of the world was definitely greater than $3.5 billion if sin counted money-wise every time we did it. And so, but the greatest thing about this is that forgiveness is renewable. And so, Colin, um, is it easier to forgive or to beg for forgiveness? As a Christian, well... The pride in me wants to say it is easier to beg for forgiveness. And in reality, that might be the case. Mm-hmm. Because I find myself on my knees begging for forgiving, begging for forgiveness when I mess up a lot more than forgiving people. Because I don't know why, but it's, I guess it's most recognizing that we mess up. But when someone wrongs us, it's, it's real hard to forgive. But I like to think of, to answer that, what, whenever Jesus was on that cross, after he was beaten, spit on, laughed at, mocked, scorned, chosen to be put on this cross by, they were chosen over this man, this is Barabbas, Barabbas. who was a thief, who was a liar, who was a cheater, who was a very wrong man. Jesus was hanging on this cross with all these scars and nails in his hands, this crown, and he says, Father, forgive them. What a powerful statement. He's begging for their forgiveness while they're 
murdering him and beating him and making him suffer. One of the one of the I'd say one of the worst torments and and harsh harsh ways to die. And he's asking for their he's begging for their forgiveness. Now, if I was in those shoes, I don't think I would do that. I don't think I'd be begging for their forgiveness. I would be probably, as much as I don't like to say it, I would probably be begging for revenge, saying, Father, you've got to make them pay for this. I'm a right. I'm a Christian. I'm faithful. I would. It would be so hard for me. And the thing is, they didn't even ask for his forgiveness. They were laughing at him while he forgave them. And for me, as I as I reflect back on that, and I think, am I like that? When I'm on my sinful cross, as Jesus took me off of it, do I forgive those? Do I forgive others as Jesus forgave me? Jesus gave his life for my sins, for, 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 for my forgiveness. Am I, would I give my life for someone else's forgiveness, for someone else's sins? Or would I simply be prideful and say, I don't forgive you. That's not enough. I don't. I, I don't want to just. I'm sorry. You got to do something. Jesus is definitely there. Just like I said, it was that, that's such a powerful statement that he gave there on the cross that he was able to forgive the unforgivable. And when we get back from break, Colin, we're going to pass the mic to you again, and we're going to ask you how do we as Christians do the same thing? How do we forgive the unforgivable? Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey there, we're glad you're listening to our podcast. We want you to remember that we also have an Instagram page that we encourage you to go follow. You can find us on Instagram at T-T-E-O-J underscore podcast, or you can also visit our website, T-T-E-O-J.com. We look forward to hearing from you and giving us a follow on Instagram. Welcome back, listeners, to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. Before we left off, Colin, we were going to ask you a question, and I'm going to add a little bit to it. So the question was, how do we as Christians forgive the unforgivable? And then also, when we forgive, should we forget? I'll start off with that second question, Um, because I think it ties in to the first question. Um, We aren't forgiven to just be slapped on the wrist and to not do it again. We are forgiven to learn from our mistakes and to learn why we shouldn't do it again and to use it as a reason to not do it again and to do better. I think it isn't just something we should just brush off and act like it never happened. We need to, like for me, with my story, I'm not proud of the mistakes that I've made, but I'm not going to forget that they happened because I can't. I decided I've been forgiven. I have forgiven myself. I can use that as an example to those who might have, who might be either going through the same situation or have been through it and don't understand how, how to see the light of forgiveness. I can use that. I can use that the sins that I did because we can do everything that we can do can glorify God. We can find something in sin to use to glorify God. I'm not saying sin glorifies God because sin does not glorify God. Mm-hmm. Sin tears you apart from God. But there are some people that need 
someone that can relate to them. And I want to, I like to use my stories to ho hopefully bring people closer. And so I do not agree that, I don't think that we should have forgive, forget. And to answer the first question, how do we forgive the unforgivable? Realize that we are the unforgivable. Realize that we don't deserve the forgiveness. None of us do. So why should we blame them as unforgivable when we have been forgiven? Absolutely. And we have done no worse and no better than them. We are not the judge. We are not the forgiver. We are the lovers and the lights. You bring up a lot of good points there, Colin. I want I want to hit on something real quick. You know, you you disagree with the forgive and forget mentality for our sins, and I agree with that because it does help us to grow. It helps us to learn from our mistakes, as you said. But what's beautiful about God's forgiveness is that He has that mentality, right? He has that forgive and forget. When He forgives us of our sins, they're gone, right? He doesn't remember the, them anymore. The slate is clean, and we start over brand new, pure, and complete, just like we were when we were baptized, just like we were when we were born, before we learned what sin is. And that's so beautiful because, you know, when, when we ask for forgiveness from someone else, you know, if, for instance, if I do something that hurts you, Walker, and I ask for forgiveness, you may give it to me, but you're not going to forget what I've done. You're not ever going to be able to trust me the same way again because of what I did, because of the mistake that I made. God's not like that. When God forgives something, he's, he forgets it, and it's gone. And it's gone until we do that sin again. So if we don't do that sin again, then that sin is gone. It's wiped away from us. And that's so beautiful, and that's so powerful, and it should be a great motivator for us to ask for forgiveness because we know that God will give it to us if we are truly repentant, and we know that when we are forgiven, it's gone. It's out of there. We don't have to worry about it anymore. God doesn't remember it. It's gone. Mm -hmm. That's right. It, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, y'all, y'all both bring up some very good points and like, this could really be a three hour podcast over forgiveness in all honesty. And I, and it has been a blessing to hear from you, Colin today about all the experiences that you've been through and what forgiveness means to you and the insight that Isaiah has to offer is always valuable. And it is just amazing um, with the talent that we are blessed with. And like Colin was saying, you know, using every single opportunity that we have to glorify God and try to take, try to avoid, try to avoid sinning and trying to use our abilities to glorify God instead of trying to do something else. So I really do like that point that we need to do everything in our power to glorify God. But like Isaiah mentioned earlier, we're not going to be perfect. And the greatest thing about that is, is that we serve a God who forgives and forgets everything that we uh, do that's wrong. And he does it because of love. And just very quickly, I want to reference first Corinthians 13, because it really talks about love. And there Paul addresses that if we do not have love, then we are nothing. And I think that that is important for us to remember, not only whenever we think about Christ forgiving us, but whenever we forgive others, if we don't, if we don't have love, then we're not going to be able to forgive others. But if we love someone and we we have that love within us, we'll be willing to forgive them. And we'll be willing to forgive and maybe even forget um, if we love them enough to just understand that, hey, we're not imperfect and we're not perfect. And we need to extend the same type of mercy and grace that we would want extended unto us.
Absolutely, Walker. You know, like you said, this has just been such a great conversation. Uh, thank you for bringing this together and, and getting all this material together for us to talk about. And Colin, thank you so much for joining us today. You have truly been, uh, been a great guest, uh, truly, truly had a lot of good things to say. Uh, and we, we really appreciate your time coming out here. Uh, for you at home, we do want to mention real quick that we have an Instagram page now. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at T-T-E-O-G underscore podcast. E-O-J. E-O-J, thank you. Through the, through the eyes of Jesus underscore podcast. Just take those initials and you'll be fine. As long as I can talk next episode, we'll also be fine. <laughs> but the point is, go ahead and follow us over there. You'll get updates about when the next episode's coming out, what it's going to be on, maybe even who's on it. We really would love to see you over there. And we appreciate you so much for listening uh, for this a little bit longer podcast. We pray that it has been beneficial to you, that you have been strengthened, you have been encouraged, you have been edified by what we said here today. And from me personally, and from Walker, from Colin, we love you. We thank you so much. Have a blessed day.